Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. At a recent Coburg Council meeting, a debate ignited over the hiring of additional police officers. This led to a tense discussion about public safety and the 2024 budget. With community safety a hot topic around the council chambers and on the street, it is creating a lot of strong emotions in and outside Victoria Hall. On today's show, both the police and the 2024 Coburg budget are front and center. First, you will hear from Coburg Police Chief Paul Vandegraaff. Since he arrived in 2024, the number of officers has not changed. He asked for six new officers in his 2024 budget submission, but the Police Services Board approved only four. The Chief will shed light on his request and the resulting debates. He will also review the rest of the police budget, along with his thoughts on the new home for Transition House at 310 Division Street. Before that, he will talk about repeat offenders. A new provincial grant program was announced last week. Since this is one of his pet peeves, the chief has lots to say about bail reform. I'm delighted to have returning once again Coburg Police Chief Paul Vandegraaff to consider this Northumberland. Welcome back, Chief. Always a pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me. The provincial government announced last week it is spending $24 million over three years to help stop repeat and violent offenders from reoffending while out on bail. Can you tell us what is this new Bail Compliance Warrant Apprehension Grant program and how it's supposed to work? Yeah, I, I think whenever we have a conversation about this, I think it's always important to draw our, our memories back to Constable Gregoris Petrola from the OPP who was tragically murdered. Um, and that really, uh, really put this, although it was already on the in the eyes of government and it was already from Chiefs of Police and Police Association of Ontario, this bail compliance thing has been a bane of our existence, if you will. But that murder really, really drove home that change has to happen. And in my 33 plus years in the business, I've never seen anything move so fast. And Commissioner Kareek of the Ontario Provincial Police deserves a ton of credit and as does the PAO. But what this really means is that Ontario is supporting police services and Chiefs of Police in enabling us to effectively manage uh, violent offenders who are in the community on bail. And um, we're not suggesting for a moment that people don't deserve bail. I've been heard and quoted many times as saying that I truly believe there is space for people to be on bail. But when you have violent offenders in our community repeatedly violently offending, as we did in Coburg, where we arrested somebody with a gun at a traffic stop who was out on bail for violent robbery offenses in the Peel region, um, things had to change. And unfortunately, the death of a police officer was the instrument of that change, but we're happy to have it. As you referred to, you are a vo- 
local critic and have mentioned many times your frustration with the local situation with repeat offenders. Could you reiterate some of the concerns you have raised in the past? Yeah, like, let's be really clear. The, the federal government is, is, has knocked down to the provinces what um, the intention of pre, uh, pre-judicial sentence, in other words, doing bail, uh, jail time before you've been sentenced or been heard in trial. And I understand it. And our jails are overrepresented from Indigenous persons or persons from racialized communities. I'm not debating that. But what I'm saying is that the latter approach that everyone applies to this, which is simply you start here and, and, and every step of the ladder should be less opportunities for someone to be in the community awaiting for their trial to occur. Um, and what we had locally was not violent offending, more than property offending. So although the change in bail compliance is very important and, and welcomed, it is really dealing with violent offenses. What we really see locally is a lot of property offenses. And where we're, 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 we're seeing, we're putting people before the courts for just preying on our community in thefts and break and enters time and time and time again. And they're just being released. And this hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. And as recent as within the last two months, we actually had somebody we arrested for a break and enter. He was on all sorts of charges and conditions. I mean, sorry, not to be out after 10 o'clock at night, not to be. And actually, when he went to bail here, he came out of the bail here with less conditions. So the system definitely needs to have its eyes on. And the other really nice part about this grant is this bail dashboard that's now going to be available to police services across the province of Ontario. That is going to be so important as we obviously live in a world where we don't know the boundaries of crime and criminals don't know the boundaries of municipalities. Can you elaborate a little bit more on this dashboard? Because I know in the press release, it talks about this technology and it wasn't very clear as to what is the technical solution. Sure. So what they've done is they've come up with an analytic dashboard where people who are on bail for violent offenses or other offenses, uh, they're on like a pin map, if you will, a pin map of, of a dashboard. It was developed by uh, some officers from the Toronto Police Service and Durham Regional Police were really instrumental in getting some funding to really develop it. I currently sit on the Ontario Police Technical Information Cooperative as their chair and OPTIC will be the um, will be a key uh, piece in actually rolling this out to police services. So what this means is our officers who are out in there enforcing bail, bail compliance can go to the dashboard. They can look geographically. Who is it in Ontario that is residing in Coburg and what are those conditions? And maybe they, they, they don't have a duty to tell us necessarily that they, they've taken up a residency here in Coburg, but once through their bail conditions in the court, so it's a really nice intersect between the Ministry of Attorney General and the Ministry of the Solicitor General. So when these two things happen, we'll know just by looking at our dashboard that an individual is residing in our community and he is on uh, conditions not to be out of the residence uh, except with the accompaniment of uh, a surety and available to be uh, to come to the door for a door knock condition. So then our bail compliance team who are housed in our criminal investigative unit would go and routinely check to ensure that compliance is being met. You were talking earlier about the distinction between what this grant is going to do and then what the local situation is, is doing. Let's start with the, the grant program. Does this grant program provide a solution in your mind? Is this solving a real problem for this community? 
Hundred um, percent. I truly believe what this uh, what the provincial government's funding has done on this is it's taken a individualized approach to bail compliance, and they've created a provincial dashboard that creates it a universal space for every service, regardless of size. Um, so whenever you have that kind of consistency, it does make us stronger as a as a law enforcement community. So that is really really important. Um, the bugs and how the dashboard will work are still yet being worked out. And we have our friends at the Ontario Provincial Police, the Toronto Police Service and Durham Regional Police Service who are just hammering out the last bits of, uh, of information. But it's going to be really nice to have this dashboard on the hands of our officers on their smartphones that they're issued as part of their duty, as part of their equipment. So to really be able to understand who's who and what's happening and what conditions exist and so th this is really important and i'm so happy this is part of this a principal section of this funding i'm sure for most listeners the bottom line is is this going to make our community safer what's your response listen um when we're dealing with transient people who are coming into the community to prey on our vulnerable people through crime um, it's important that my people have all the tools that they have available and having this dashboard so at a traffic stop we can run this person quickly in a dashboard to see although they're not in our community but they're in the provincial dashboard it's just another set of analytic tools that are going to make our people that much keener which in turn makes our community that much safer now the other part of your concern is bail conditions around property crimes and you say this is uh, an issue for us in this community what do you see needs to happen in order to address this issue because it is so prevalent for us? Yeah, so this is where what happens is when we have these repeat offenders, and I've been, been very vocal on this for years, but continually we, we hear from various social media sites and blogs and different things that the police always let them go. At the end of the day, government's got to step in on this. Government has to create um, a change to the legislation that uh, like, like, like baseball has three strikes for a reason. It seems to work, right? Like three strikes, you're out kind of thing. And, and, and I, and I, and again, I'm not opposed to anybody giving a giving, being given an opportunity. And, and I believe that's justified, but when people are willfully ignoring their conditions day after day after day, and the local judiciary are just ignoring the conditions and just are, are writing them off as, as unimportant, it really discredits what the great work my officers do. In fact, the pressure on the officers to complete a bail compliance package for a court the following day after a midnight shift is a lot of work. It's time taken off the road. It's that administrative time where officers are sitting behind keyboards. And to have the justice of the peace just throw them out within 20 minutes, it's, 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 it's just not acceptable. I hear your frustration, but I guess what I was asking you is, what is the solution? What has to happen? What has to change? There, to has, there, there has to be a reconsideration of Bill C-75. The, 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 the latter approach, as presented in that bill, has to be applied, and justices of the peace need to be instructed on how to manage that. The LaSalle Police and the Windsor Police have received a $2.2 million grant from this program. And the Chatham-Kent police have also just got 1.2 million. Has Coburg requested similar funds? Yeah, in this particular grant funding, we look at every opportunity to receive grant fundings. And we didn't apply for this one because we didn't feel we had the capacity to really live in the space of, um, of bail violent crime. We, we examined what our, uh, what our needs are, and we believe it's important to apply for those grants that have the greatest impact. Um, and uh, for this, 
I know that folks down in the Windsor, LaSalle, Amherstburg area, they have a significant problem, especially that, that, that those border communities. So I'm in Cornwall, so I, I see that as well on, on who received the funding. Um, this one, we um, we're happy to know that the police, uh, that the provincial dashboard is going to be made accessible to us and that we will be able to work forward in that space on this particular lane. This bail grant program is part of a long list of grants given out by the provincial government. How many of these programs does Coburg qualify for each year? Oh, we were very successful in our work with the Police Tech Accelerator through uh, NF, uh, Northumberland CFTC and rating grants. And we've had tremendous success. As you know, our Youth MPART program, our HARP program, our EDI, uh, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Strategy, and Internal Census. Uh, we've got a lot of funding for grants that have done some tremendous work in our community. Um, I think we're the provincial leader in receiving the most amount of money from CCTV grant funding. So we, we really leverage where we can and where we can make it have quickest impact. Um, and, and we will continually look at opportunities to, um, to, to seek uh, recoverables, if you will. And I, I assume we're going to talk about budget eventually here. So we're always looking at enhancing those recoverables. Well, speaking of money, the police service recently submitted its 2024 budget with a $10.9 million operational budget. That's a 6.3% increase over last year. One of the more interesting items on the budget is the hiring of new recruits. You asked for six and the police board approved four. Can you explain the request and your justification for the additional officers? Yeah, so... This is a difficult opportunity, right? And I understand in small communities, a 6.3% increase is, um, is substantial. And, and, and we also know that policing is probably, the, no, not probably. I know that policing in Coburg is the single largest uh, bucket, if you will, of, um, of, of expenses of the taxpayer. But over the last year, um, I have gone and met formally with members of our community across town halls two major town halls, one very small neighborhood. I have received countless emails, phone calls, concerns, stops on the street um, saying we need more, we want more. We need to be more present, more visible. Our, our downtown action patrol this summer and the, uh, the encampments uh, throughout the summer months increased violent crime. It really spoke to the, the, the men and women who serve this community with such pride and integrity are at capacity. Um, so really, it comes down to this. Um, when I came to Coburg in 2014, um, we had about 5,200 calls for service that year. Um, we, once we do our final cleanup and everything of our database, we're going to be at about 13,500 calls in 2023, which is about 136% increase. With the exception of that grant funding that we just spoke about, we have had zero increase in the complement of the Coburn Police Service. So we were at 34 officers. The grant let us increase to 36. And that's been the only increase. Um, you put on top of that the 800 new homes that are coming. Um, and then you layer on top of that the investigative complexity. And I've used this example at council, and I've used it before. When I started in 91, the simple theft of a wallet was just that. It was a report. Paul Vandergraaf's wallet was stolen. I would tell the, that victim to report it to the visas or MasterCards to cancel the cards and then go through the process of trying to do your best to replace your cards. And that would be the extent of that investigation. With technology now, uh, we know that when wallets or purses are stolen, we know that the debit cards through a, the TAP program 
that debit cards and credit cards are being used within 20 minutes of theft before the person even knows that they're gone. We know that uh, increase in online ordering is happening very quickly and being delivered to uh, central locations. So what that means for the officer is that simple theft of a wallet case now means we have to go to three or four stores for, for, for video footage. We have to track down these Amazon packages or whatever other packages. We have to go to, uh, to businesses to try to get their videos. So the complexity, the simple complexity of these calls for service drag out the length of it. We spoke about bail and violent crime. We talked about the plan. We've had uh, two shootings now and a year to one in each year. That is an investigative complexity. So what we felt for to address the, what the citizenry were telling me at meetings to address the ability for my people to be truly supported. Um, because right now, when you're always working at minimum staffing levels, we know the risk on our members is too high from a from the mental health capacity. So we put a I thought a very strong case forward for six officers. Uh, the board deliberated that with great diligence, as they as is to be expected of the board, um, with lots of reasonings back and forth, and and trying to balance all the all of the implications. And they agreed on on four new officers for twenty twenty four. Um, and again, I wanted six. Everyone wants to make a story that the chief's unhappy and he wanted six. He only got four. Listen, that's four more than I had last year. So I'm ecstatic to have those four new officers join us. Did you discuss this with Mayor Lucas Cleveland prior to the council debate coming up? Did, were you aware that he was interested in pushing for the six? I wasn't prepared for that debate um i i did have a, a conversation with the, uh, with our worship uh in relation to this and several other issues um but um again i truly believe that no matter which way that debate at council went i truly believe that all the council is very supportive of the membership and what we try to do at our vision and mission and providing community safety and it's always a balancing act so as chief, I get uh, I get that annual position to try to uh, stay down the middle as best I can on it. Well, that's interesting because is there really any impact on community safety by not having six new officers instead of four? Uh, 100%. So when we heard loud and clear that we wanted to increase foot patrols in the downtown, we were able to piece that together with overtime. But as soon as there was the next issue that arose in the town, that was immediately eradicated. We were at such a capacity in relation to strength in numbers that um, we needed to do something different. Included in the presentation was the expert panel on police suicides, not for any dramatic effect other than to listen to the language that's really clearly in that expert panel. Now, these are doctors, these are coroners, these are experts in this field of mental health. And they speak very clearly of ensuring the authorized strength of a police service meets the needs of the community, but also its members. And like I said before, when you're constantly relying on overtime to do anything more than the basics, then you are at a risk where you're going to hurt your people. As chief of police, my responsibility is to ensure a safe community, but my I always say my greater responsibility is to make sure that I'm creating a safe environment for my members. So I'm not clear anymore. Is it better to have six or is it better to have four? It's better to have 12, but everything comes in ratio. So right now, four is great. Six would have been better than great, but we are four better today than we were yesterday. So I always look at things as half full 
So we are bringing on four new members to the service, which we haven't seen since this police service, police Hamilton Township. That's a long time ago. And that in itself will enable me to do a few different things by ro robust platoons and robust criminal investigations. We won't be able to go to the third unit, which is a, uh, like sort of a crime community response unit. We're not going to get there with, with, with four, but we're going to have a robust platoon system and a robust, robust criminal investigative team. So we're better today than yesterday. What other budget items did you add this year? Uh, really, we had very little, and and uh, what you should really uh, know is the six point three percent. The six point three percent does not cover the cost of those constables. That was that was those extra constables coming in were actually funded through the corporate services business center revenue. But um, what we really have coming forward is we have some information technology to ensure that our uh, our servers and everything are as safe as possible. We did have a cyber attack in Port Hope last year, so we had some of those issues in there. There's the annual renewal of a few fleet vehicles um, and a few other small odds and sods. But really, overall, the budget, uh, the 6.3% on the tax levy keeps the lights on, ensures it, we have insurance increases, gas increases, and a few different, and, and salaries. Again, bulk of the police budget does sit in salaries around 89 or 90%. So the contractual increase is all attributed for what that 63 looks like. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I always thought that the money generated from the police checks was supposed to go to capital items and not to operational expenses. Am I correct in that or have I yeah, made a mistake? Yeah, the, the, the MOU that was in existence with the uh, with the town for the board, which I guess is still until a new one is created, um, there is a there is room for an operational um uh, operational support, if you will, and we've had bled into that over the last few years. Um, so that was part of the deliberation process for the board. The board really needed to understand um, the balancing of what the MOU looked for and the intent. And when you get into intents and, and, and black and white language, I think it's important to rec recognize the intent. And the intent around this is to ensure that Coburg is both innovative and, and it is the best service for our community. And and dipping into these funds has its risks. So I, I'm, I'm not I'm not blind to that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, they saw the they, they saw the need and the capacity and the willingness to cooperate with the municipality in sharing this burden, uh, the financial burden. The police force has a number of special programs. In in our conversation today, you've mentioned a couple of them, like M Hard and Harp, the Homeless Addiction Resource Project, and others. What's the status of those programs in this year's budget? They're, they're, they're revenue neutral and that they're, those two programs specifically are funded by provincial grants. And the great thing the province did do is that they, they created a three-year grant cycle. So what that allowed for us to do was write one grant and for three years be, be guaranteed. We didn't have to go back to the grant writing each and every year. We have benchmarks, we have reporting that we have to make. So HARP is actively engaged in our community doing its, uh, doing its work. Um, and everything that's talking about the 310 division, HARP will be our, our, our lead in, in that space. Um, youth MHART, I just had a meeting with our MHART officer uh, just earlier today, and he told me how they spent uh, about three hours at a school today dealing with uh, a, a really high acuity case. So that is the youth MHART dollars going to work. So um, we are very fortunate to work with the partners from the LIN or from NHH and, and that MHART program. So um, 
each 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 step we take forward is better for our, everybody in this community for sure. I'm sure there are those in the community that would like to know where you cut, that it's not all about spend, 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 that you actually reduce some expenses. Did you make any cuts to this year's budget? Uh, this year's budget, um, we don't look at cutting our budget. We look at where we can hold the line, we hold the line. So we do have the new Comprehensive Police Services Act of Ontario launching April 1st with all sorts of new regulations in that. Um, so what we did do is we held the line on special constables because we want to see where the new regulation sits. However, there is a new adequacy standard for intelligence officers so that is part of the new ask for policing. So what we have done is we have tried to bridge the increased demand for service with what we have and the capacity we have. So as far as cuts per se, I can't say this particular thing is no longer, um, but uh, I believe cuts are, are managed by looking at the recoveries that we get from both the province and the business center. There is a lot of emphasis on community safety, and you and I have spoken about it today. We've talked about it in the past. You've advocated for increasing the profile of the police in the community, as well as addressing, as you talked about today, the growing number of, of calls for service. How are any of these efforts going to be met with this budget? Well, we've talked about people, officers being on the street, but what other places in the budget can we see evidence that you are addressing these deep concerns about public safety? Yeah, so our, our criminal investigative unit uh, up to this point has been principally reactive. In other words, we're reacting to the issue in front of them, um, be it a sexual assault investigation, a complex fraud, or a search warrant for drugs and intelligence. By being able to increase that, double the size of that criminal investigative unit, all of those things will continue, but now we'll really be able to have a few extra hands so we can start being proactive and start working with our partners in both Port Open OPP on an intelligence-led, that's the intelligence officer, the intelligence-led approach to guns and gangs from the GTA. That is really, really important. Uh, we've seen two involved shootings from the guns and gangs uh, from the GTA in this community. So that is a significant shift um, that this budget will allow us to do. Uh, having officers, having going, having platoons go from minimums of three to minimums of four and having up to six if everybody was at work and not training or not on holidays, that's just going to make us more visible. That's going to make us more apparent. That's going to make us more able to address the needs. Um, I truly believe that Coburg continues to be a safe place. We are being challenged like communities across Ontario are. Um, you'll note that the new community, uh, sorry, the police, new, new, new Comprehensive Police Services Act of Ontario calls for a community safety well-being plan to be created. We have that through the county. You'll note that the four key issues in that safety well-being plan are not, not one of them are core police functions. Not one of those things would you say is what the police are asked or trained to be the leaders on. Yet in our community, those four pillars, homelessness, addictions, poverty, and income stability, those are the things that so closely get tied to uh, community safety that um, that's where we tend to live. So I did make that point as well, that the, the safety well-being plan, an important document, something we should all be striving for doesn't address what people are telling me in my regular meetings with 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 folks as I uh, as I continue to be open with anybody who wants to speak with me. The county and Transition House have partnered to purchase a building at 310 Division Street, which they hope to 
convert into a larger facility with additional services uh, for Northumberland. What kind of impact is this going to have on the police service and the budget? Yeah, well, listen, so currently we, we, we manage the issues that exist in and around Transition House and those folks on Chapel Street. Currently, we manage the issues in and around the encampment. Currently, we manage the issues in and around the warming room. Not to mean that we're dealing with them inside those places because they tend to manage themselves with security or their own staff, but the, the impact on the neighborhood. Now we're moving all of those locations to one place. So one would think that, hey, it's one-stop shopping, so it'll make it easier. And I've said this many, many times, high-density living has high-density problems, be it million-dollars condos or uh, what the uh, new shelter uh, is envisioned for. Be very clear, homelessness is not going away. There is no quick pill, there is no quick solution for this, nor is mental health or addictions. So we will continue to manage these in a proactive, empathetic, and enforcement-centered approach. My concern is 310 Division, when it opens, and I've met with the new Executive Director of Transition House, uh, the, the, board, uh, the Chair of the Board of Transition House, I've met with some neighbors who are uh, concerned about 310 Division, and I say this very clearly. Before anyone moves in or becomes a resident of 310 Division, there has to be a binding agreement between all partners. It is not the police's responsibility to clean up garbage. It is not the police's responsibility to, to have smoke chase smoking or all of the other issues that happen. There needs to be a binding agreement between the county, the transition house, the municipality, that we all own a piece of it. We all own and are accountable to ensure this does not have a greater impact on the residents in the neighborhood. Full stop. Whitby is the model. Uh, Whitby did work with the upper tier in Durham Regional to come up with an agreement that causes and speaks to many things. And I support a lot of what's in that agreement. And I'm really hopeful that prior to turning the key on this location, that an agreement is in place. Are there any plans to expand services to Hamilton Township or Alderville in the near future? Beyond uh, what's already are, existing? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, these are conversations that happen above the Office of Chief of Police. I have enough work to do here in Coburg. I have enough work to do with my staff that I don't need to be growing growing, uh, grow, growing the, the boundaries, if you will. However, between the Police Services Board, the municipality, and those municipalities, if those conversations happen, obviously, hopefully, we would be engaged in what the impact could be or, or, or what the opportunities are there to exist. But uh, at this particular time, I'm still very focused on, on, on what needs to change here in Coburg. Well, I do know that you sit at the table at the police service board meeting. So are, are they discussing these kinds of things in an active way? I can only speak to what's happening in public, Rob, on those board meetings. And no, these are not had public discussions on these issues in the public sessions of, uh, of the board. Um, and then the in-camera sessions are in-camera sessions. Generally, this conversation wouldn't land in camera because it's not about personnel matters or legal matters. So these would be held in public sessions. What can we look forward to in the upcoming months from the police service? You know what? Uh, continued uh, continued growth and, and commitment to serving our community. 
Uh, right now, we're on the, uh, the the back end of a strategic plan, um, so we're going to be really looking to make sure that we're addressing those goals that are sitting in our strategic plan that maybe we haven't had an opportunity to really put our minds to. Obviously, recruiting and uh, and is really really important. Uh, we're early on about a nice, great new peer support unit where we're working with uh, our local fire service on, which will really help support our members. But we're really looking forward to being very present with increased capacity and, and really addressing um, the root causes of crime and those criminal activities that are impacting our local citizens to the best of our ability. I continually, every day, uh, I shouldn't say every day, but pretty much every day I get, or every other day, I get a nice letter from somebody in the community thanking our team for their support. So uh, we will continue to ensure wellness. We'll continue to work uh, fervently to uh, provide the best service for Coburn. When do you hope to hire the new officers? We're at it already. Recruiting is such a unique thing in the province of material for policing right now. So one of the four is uh, already at the police college. Um, we are already in the mix of the final interviews. Um, I believe not to take finals next to final interviews. Um, and if they all work out well, I would hope to have the names of the four officers probably by mid-February. Chief, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Rob. That was Police Chief Paul Vandegraaff. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.